Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. The Zone's non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is The Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. And here we go. Straight up 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the Big Six right here on 104.5 The Zone. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there, our telephone number, and we are wide open if you do want to chat with me tonight at 615-737-1045. This hour, as I will not be on tomorrow, will be my final chance to let you know what's going to happen in the NFL from my perspective this season. It's here, folks. We are one day away from Eagles, Packers, and the start of the 2018 NFL campaign. I'm going to break down every division, worst to first. I'm going to tell you what teams make the playoffs, what the two title games are, what the Super Bowl will be, and who I believe will actually bring home the Lombardi Trophy in 2018. But first, just in case you missed it, and of course, 3HL talked about it for a good bit on their program, Tennessee offensive lineman Brandon Kennedy who, of course, he struggled early in the game against West Virginia, then kind of settled in in the second half of that ball game. Uh, his season is over. An ACL non-contact has cost Brandon Kennedy his season. He actually broke his leg at Alabama in 2017 during practice and missed the remainder of that season as well. So now they're going to have to move around and kind of decide what they're going to do on the offensive line. The good news, I guess, if there is good news here, and I feel terrible for Brandon Kennedy, especially the fact that he already was injured now, he's going to miss another season, and it just started, and he worked hard to be ready for this year. The good news for Vols is ETSU and another winnable game. Well, not just a winnable game, but a game that they should win easily against UTEP, who has the longest current losing streak in FBS. But it's still... Not ideal. The offensive line didn't give you a lot to love on Saturday, and now they lose one of the guys that Jeremy Pruitt was very high on, bringing him in from Tuscaloosa. That shortens things, but you got two weeks to kind of figure out what you're going to do before Florida on September the 22nd. But Jeremy Pruitt did speak to the media, was very forthright, and said, yep, ACL non-contact, and his season's over. So you feel for him, and that does sort of thin up that offensive line even more. But tonight we are going to talk a lot of NFL. I will save the AFC South for the end of this program because of obvious reasons. So let's start in the NFC. And again, if you have thoughts in terms of who you think the Super Bowl will be, if you think I'm an idiot as I start laying all this stuff out, whatever your predictions are, I will interrupt and take your phone calls if need be at 615-737-1045 or you can tweet me at jmardzone. We're going to start with the NFC North from worst to first. Look, Aaron Rodgers is healthy. 
Chicago grabs Khalil Mack. That frees up some of their other guys to have less in their way on the path to the quarterback. Trubisky's it's his second year, but he showed some flashes last year. Matt Stafford, one of the more underrated players in the league. Kirk Cousins got paid by Minnesota, but he's joining a 13-3 and team from last year. The likelihood that they duplicate that's not particularly strong. This is not an easy call to make, at least not up top, but here it is from worst to first. The Bears are still going to be the worst team in this division. They should improve upon 5-11 and from last year unless Trubisky takes another step backwards. They got a new coach. That's a good thing. Some decent moves in the offseason and one great one with Khalil Mack joining the team. It's a better move in this division in particular where you have Rodgers to face twice a year. You've got Matt Stafford to face twice a year. And Kirk Cousins, who I'm not as high on as some, you face him twice a year as well. I think you'll win a few more games this year, maybe seven and nine, and that could be a little bit generous, but it's going to be a better, more competitive team, even if they were to go five and 11 again. Third is Detroit, and I love Matthew Stafford. All that dude does is throw bullets and keep his team in football games. Matt Patricia finally has his chance at head coach. I do not love the running game because it's Detroit. It seems like I've never seen a Lions back rush for 100 yards since Barry Sanders did it. They get on Johnson out of Auburn in the draft, but he was not particularly good in the preseason and was a little bit injured as well. We'll see if preseason means anything when it comes to that, but I think it was 3.1 yards per carry. Golden Tate, Kenny Galladay, that crew, they'll be relatively formidable, but this Lions team was 9-7 and seven last year, and that's not a terrible record. A lot of that in division, 5-1 and one in the division, and that's the problem because, as I said, Aaron Rodgers is back. The Packers grabbed Jimmy Graham. They should be able to run it with multiple backs, especially after the suspension. 9-7 and seven could happen again for Detroit, but it's also possible the Lions play better football and end up 8-8. Eight and eight. Second is the Vikings. Minnesota 13-3 and three last year, and that is truly incredible. Case Keenum played really well and never got any credit for it. Now he's in Denver. They did it without Dalvin Cook, who went down very early in the year with an ACL. He's going to be back. They grabbed Kirk Cousins from Washington, but I'm not sure Kirk Cousins is demonstrably better than Case Keenum, who they could have kept for less money. The defense is stellar. Zimmer's a heck of a coach. 13-3 and is not going to happen again. I got the Vikes going 11-5 and five this season, which is still good, still very good, but they're going to be competing for a wild card spot. They're not going to win the division because Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback maybe ever when you factor in the skill set. If he holds up, and that can be a big if when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, if the O-line protects him, another big if, Green Bay could be a 12-4 and four kind of team. Jimmy Graham is a definite red zone threat. He's not what he was in New Orleans and we didn't see a lot from him that we thought we were going to when he was in Seattle. Good receivers, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, they are made far better by the impact of number 12. I don't think Mike McCarthy is a particularly stellar coach, but Green Bay's defense has improved a bit. The secondary is more solid than it's been in recent years, and they've got Aaron Rodgers, and that's all I need to know. The NFL's a quarterback league. If he goes down and it becomes Brett Hundley's club, We'll see a repeat of last season with Minnesota winning it. Maybe Detroit supplanting the Packers. But that's not really the way you want to predict things based on injuries that have not happened. So I've got Bears in fourth, Lions in third, Vikings in second, Packers in first. From the north to the south, number four is Tampa Bay. They're not going to have Jameis Winston for the first four weeks. His return to the starting lineup, that's going to depend upon how good Ryan Fitzpatrick is in his stead. 
Jameis really hasn't been great since arriving there at the top pick of the draft. Fitz, Fitz actually makes the most of opportunities usually like this. But I look at Dirk Cutter and I say, that dude's a coordinator, he's not a coach, and that's not going to change. There are some real weapons. Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson. Potentially, you see O.J. Howard emerge alongside Cameron Braid at tight end. But it's a stacked division with one subpar member, and that's the Bucs. They were 5-11 and last year. They're 6-10 and at best this year. They could be 5-11. and They could even be worse. Number three, I've got the Panthers because they've got a quarterback you really like when they're winning and one you really hate when they're not because he, he's about as front-runner as it gets. This defense not quite as stout as it used to be. The Panthers have enough talent in most spots to win many divisions in the NFL, but not the one they happen to be in. Christian McCaffrey, he'll have a bigger role this year. you got no Kelvin Benjamin, of course, but that could be addition by subtraction. Greg Olson, still one of the most consistent tight ends in the league, has been for a long time. But in the end, it's going to come down to Cam. And if the, pa- and if the uh, Panthers struggle early, they're going to struggle late. They could win 10 or 11 games. They were 11-5 and five last year. But it seems, it just feels like a 9-7 and seven team and questions about Ron Rivera at the end of the year. I'm not saying he's going to be gone. I don't think he will be. But his seat will be warmer when they finish third in the South. One and two is really tough for me. The Saints could easily be a favorite, not just to make it, but win the Super Bowl. Another 11-5 and five team from last year. They could do that again. I tend to think Alvin Kamara matching what he did last year is going to be really tough, even with Ingram missing the first slice of the season. Breeze is a year older. He's going to be efficient, probably more efficient than last year. New Orleans is going to score a lot of points. But for some reason... I just sense we're going to see a regression. Not a big regression, but a little regression. They're going to make the playoffs as a wild card. But even as the defense improved last year, I just don't quite buy in. A few months ago, just to be honest, I had them in the Super Bowl. But these things are fluid, and I've changed my mind, so they'll be in second. Last year, Atlanta was 10-6. and That season, to me, felt like a whimper, not a scream. Matt Ryan is a very good, not elite quarterback. Most of the time. And the Falcons just didn't play inspired football last year as a whole. Julio Jones found himself in a lot of double and triple coverage situations. Only had three touchdowns as a result, but it left the field more open for guys like Sanu. They can still run it well with that tandem back uh, backfield with Freeman and Coleman. The defense is packed with talent. They're getting better. But to me, it's the rookie addition of Calvin Ridley that's going to change everything for the Atlanta Falcons this year. I have said in the past, I'll say it again right now, I believe he might be the most talented pure receiver to come out of Alabama in the Saban era. That includes Amari. That includes Julio on this team, among others. It's him that's going to add another dimension down the field for Ryan. The Falcons are going to win 11, and they're going to win this division. So there you go. Tampa Bay in fourth. Carolina in third, New Orleans in second, and the Falcons winning the division at 11-5. and five. That's the first two divisions. We'll see if we can get through one more before we get to break. Let's go to the East. Alex Smith is better than Kirk Cousins to me. More consistent, he throws a better deep ball, and he's drastically undervalued by many, and was when he was in Kansas City. Do you know who had the uh, highest passer rating in the league in 2017? 
Wasn't Tom Brady. Wasn't Drew Brees. They were two and three on that list. It was Alex Smith. 104.6, 26 touchdowns to just five interceptions. Compare that to Kirk Cousins, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Alex Smith is going to make the Redskins better. But the reason I still have him in fourth this year is because of Jay Gruden. I just don't buy into him. I don't think he's long for that job. They lose Darius Geis in the preseason. That's just another log on that fire. Smith may take some of the blame, but he's going to be blamed while he's playing good football. Redskins in fourth. The Eagles are the defending Super Bowl champions. Carson Wentz coming back from injury. Nick Foles, an ugly preseason. Jay Ajayi can be a bit of a head case. Doug Peterson's scheme is still there. The RPOs are still there. Frank Reich is not. He's now the head coach in Indianapolis. I have a feeling we're about to see a Super Bowl hangover in Philadelphia. They could win the East again. They've definitely got the talent to do it. But you bring in Michael Bennett. Mark my words, that's going to end up being a problem. There are multiple personalities on that team that concern me in terms of meshing with one another. Carson Wentz is a total stud. I think he's elite. I don't think that's going to change, but Philly in my gut just does not have the dynasty feel to me right now. Not yet. So I've got them in third, if you can believe that, in the East. And that could be a reach. I had them in second. But this might be the toughest call I I had to make in all of this. I buy into Saquon Barkley. Whatever dilemmas I have in my head with whether or not Eli Manning is close to done or not, they paid OBJ as they should have. They shored up their O-line. They brought in Pat Shermer. He wasn't really given a chance in his first stop. They drafted somebody I think could change everything for him in Saquon. If I buy into Zeke, which I do, if I buy into Alvin Kamara, which I do, if I buy into Kareem Hunt, which I do, then I have to buy into Saquon Barkley, who could be better than all of them in terms of being a bell cow style of back. And it's a bell cow style of back the G-Men haven't had really since Tiki Barber's prime. They were 3-13 and last year. I've got them finishing second in the division. Might be a bit of a reach, but you got to have something in there because the league isn't all that predictable. And then number one, the Cowboys. Dak might just be average, but I think he's a winner. I think he's slightly above average. You've got the distractions with Jerry Jones, but Zeke is back. His skill set's not one that defensive coordinators simply figure out and stop. That's not how it works. The loss of Dez isn't huge because he was a malcontent who decided to run his mouth more often than he ran his routes. These guys, if the defense can stay healthy, which is a big if, have the roster you want. The one wild card, and this is why I'm a little bit hesitant, is the coach. Jason Garrett probably should have been replaced two or three years ago, yet he's still there. But I look at this roster, and there's just a feel to me that Dallas is ready to take the next step. I think that uh, that roster gets him to the playoffs, and they're tough to beat all year long. So from worst to first in the East, Redskins, Eagles, which mm, that's a risky call by me. Giants being second is a very risky call. And the Dallas Cowboys winning the division. That's three of the eight divisions. We'll break down the rest of the five over the next 45 minutes, and then we will get to the playoffs leading into who wins the Super Bowl. Stick around. An all-NFL edition, Big Six, tonight here on The Zone. Zone. It's the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. Some people disagreeing with me on Twitter. That's fine. 615-737-1045 if you want to talk to me tonight. 
Cage the Elephant bringing us back. Remember I told you I love those guys and told you they support the Bowling Green community. Well, they're playing a free concert for WKU's home opener this Saturday. Just showing again how much they care about the community. That's a big-time act to be playing a free show on campus, and that's not the first time. I was actually, I think, still a student, and they did it several years ago. But that's going to be a fun scene and a really cool thing to do to kind of set the stage for WKU's home opener this weekend. So I broke down three of the eight divisions in the NFL. I'm going to continue to do that. But one correction I want to make. I said Brett Hundley. He got traded to Seattle. I knew that. It actually makes it worse. I forgot Deshaun Kaiser. I didn't forget, but I, I, for some reason, had him in the third string because that's what I think he is. But Deshaun Kaiser is actually the backup in Green Bay. Deshaun Kaiser, who I said before he was drafted, shouldn't have left Notre Dame that he did not prove anything to me that led me to believe he was an NFL quarterback. I have no idea what the Cleveland Browns were doing last year when they took him. He is a total bust. Maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't been proven wrong on that one so far. Brett Hundley is far better than Kaiser, so they really better hope now that Aaron Rodgers doesn't go down. So I've broken down three of the four divisions in the NFC. Now we get to the West. Worst, the Cardinals. Arizona is on a come up. I think they're going to be better. Rosen is going to be the real deal. I like him a lot. Bradford is generally better than pretty good when he's healthy. Picking the Cardinals last year is more a product of the quality of the, of the division than anything else. Probably Larry Fitzgerald's last year. and That's going to be a really sad exit because that guy deserves a Lombardi trophy and he came awfully close several years ago with Kurt Warner. One of the all-time greats, one of the all-time classiest players. Arizona was 8-8 eight and eight last year, one game beneath Seattle. They're probably 8-8 eight and eight again beneath Seattle. Seahawks in third, more cohesive, more positive team, I think, without some of the players they let go this offseason. Losing Cam Chancellor hurts. Bennett gone, Sherman gone, Earl Thomas still there but not happy, saying some wrong things earlier. But Seattle bets on Russell Wilson rather than the Legion of Boom and that defense. Doug Baldwin's an underrated weapon. Tyler Lockett is another dangerous player still. The one unknown, the biggest unknown for Pete Carroll, is what's going to happen on the ground. San Diego State rookie Rashad Penny, maybe he's the guy. Chris Carson, Procise, McKissick. It's a bunch of who knows in the backfield. Maybe Penny ends up being what they hoped. Pete Carroll is another guy who at least could be possibly on the hot seat after this season. Nine and seven, I think, is very possible here. Could easily be seven and nine if the running position and the situation isn't good and the O-line duplicates the past two years, which have been really bad. So it's possible the Cardinals could actually somehow finish ahead of the Seahawks. But I believe Russell Wilson will will them to nine and seven. Number two, Jimmy G to me does look legit, but we just haven't seen enough. I don't feel confident about picking them to win this division. Marquise Goodwin... Big help. Pierre Garcon's 32, but he's still really consistent. But you lose Jarek McKinnon for the season. That means a lot more Matt Breida, and it also means a lot more Alfred Morris in the backfield. That could be a good thing in the case of Breida, but we'll see. The Niners have this trendy feel. I don't like it. It doesn't taste right. I'm not Kyle Shanahan's biggest fan as of yet. I could get there. And although the Niners should compete for a wild card, I've got them at 10 and 6. I can't go higher than that. There are going to be some downs to go with these ups. It's not going to be gumdrops and lollipops. 
for Jimmy G all season long. And the Rams are built to win now. One-year deal for multiple big-name free agents. They pay a ton of money, 135 to Aaron Donald for six years. Gurley and Goff in year two under Sean McVay. There's just too much talent on this team for them not to be the favorites in the safest pick here. It's a team that should be a favorite to win the conference and represent them in the Super Bowl. 12-4 and four is not out of the realm of possibility for these guys at all, especially if Jared Goff progresses more this year and some of those receivers continue along their pathways, whether it's Cup or Robert Woods or whoever. Efficiency stats for Tide Gurley catching passes on early downs were enormous for some of the offensive progression that we saw for the entire team last year. No reason to believe that's not going to continue. Matt LaFleur is now here in Nashville. We know that. We'll see what that means or whether or not it affects them. But I've got the Rams winning that division. So from worst to first in the NFC West, it's Cardinals, Seahawks, Niners, and Rams. Now let's move to the AFC, and we'll start with the North. Again, I'm going to save the AFC South for last. AFC North, we start with the Browns because Hugh Jackson ain't the guy. He's likable, but I don't believe he even has the coaching respect of Todd Haley or Greg Williams, his coordinators. He's going to play Tyrod or Tarod because he thinks that gives him the best chance of winning a few more games than a rookie Baker Mayfield that will have to deal with the growing pains of learning to play in the NFL. Josh Gordon, as long as he stays clean, that really helps. Jarvis Landry really helps too. The defense isn't terrible, but this is the Browns. Once John Dorsey moves on from Hugh Jackson at the end of the season and brings in somebody he trusts and knows a bit better, and once Baker Mayfield is given the keys he probably should already have, or at least should have gotten a chance to show against the ones in the preseason to learn, we can reevaluate this in a year or two. But this season, because of Hugh's insistence on not even allowing a quarterback competition, a lot of volatile head cases on the sidelines wearing headsets, It's still the Browns. In third, another coach we haven't been impressed by recently is John Harbaugh, not just his brother Jim. Another quarterback we haven't been impressed by recently is Joe Flacco. Rookie Lamar Jackson ain't ready. RG3 earned his spot. He played well in the preseason, but Baltimore, whose defense will again be decent to good, just doesn't have the horses on offense. Alex Collins, he'll probably be pretty good again. Crabtree's going to make some plays. John Brown is a lightning bolt out there. He's the flash. Hayden Hurst is a decent tight end. It's just not a team that screams winner to me. Nine and seven last season, maybe the same this year, but that should not be enough to keep Harbaugh in that gig. It's going to be time for a change of scenery for him, a change of leadership for the Ravens. Speaking of changes, Marvin Lewis should have been gone half a decade ago, but he's still there. I don't know why I would pick Cincinnati second in this division, but it's really because I just think Baltimore is that mediocre and the Browns are rudderless. Andy Dalton is a 9-7 and kind of quarterback. He's to Rod Taylor. He is, and I'm sorry to say this, folks, he's Marcus Mariota. He's fine. He's decent. He'll win some games. He's not usually going to lose you games. But I do love A.J. Green. I love Tyler Eifert if he's healthy. And even though Joe Mixon's always going to make me a little queasy because of what happened in college, he is a great football player. The defense is still nasty, almost too much so in terms of how they play. But they're going to be pretty good again, and the Bengals are going to be a shade better than the Baltimore Ravens. Which leads to the maybe the most obvious pick of the whole thing, if not for possibly the Patriots. 
Le'Veon Bell notwithstanding and all of this nonsense surrounding his situation, the Steelers still have the most frightening offense in the NFL, and he will be a part of it. Roethlisberger's a winner, even though he's going to give you a couple of stinkers every year, and then he's going to say, I should probably retire. Antonio Brown has had the most fantasy points at wide receiver for the past four seasons at that prediction or at that position, which that's really almost unheard of. Juju Smith-Schuster emerged immediately. He's only going to get better. They got talented tight end. They got receivers I didn't even mention in that list. I like Mike Tomlin. I like that defense, although once Ryan Shazier went down last year, it kind of fell apart. It revealed to me how special a player Ryan Shazier really was. They're not going to be an elite group on that side of the ball, but you're going to be competing with Pittsburgh in shootouts all year long. 13-3 and three last year. Maybe they're 12-4 and four this year, but they're by far the best team in the division. They're probably going to be able to rest some guys late in the year, assuming that they're not competing for the number one spot in the AFC, which they may well be, but that's an easy call. From worst to first in the AFC North, Browns, Ravens, Bengals, Steelers. So we've still got the East, we still got the West, we still got the South, and we still got the postseason. What's your Super Bowl? 615-737-1045 or on Twitter at jmartzone. We're back in a moment. Big Six, NFL edition here on 104.5 The Zone. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can argue with me there. 615-737-1045. Breaking down the NFL, all divisions, worst to first. Getting you through our Super Bowl tonight here on the Big Six. The season begins tomorrow. Falcons, Eagles, 7 p.m. coverage right here on The Zone. So we've got three more divisions to get through here in the AFC. And we'll start with the West. And this is kind of painful for me. Because even though Denver should be and probably will be better than 5'11", 5'11", under Vance Joseph in his second year, he is a candidate to be the first coach fired after the season. Case Keenum is a definite upgrade from Trevor Simeon. Paxton Lynch has been released. You got Swag Kelly now as the backup, which I kind of quietly like. What's going to determine whether or not Denver takes an unexpected upswing is whether or not this rookie from Oregon, Royce Freeman, who definitely looked good in the preseason, can be an every-down threat at running back. It's a tough start for Denver. They've got Oakland and Gruden's first game after they open against Russell Wilson. Then they go to Baltimore before they face Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City offense. Then they got the Rams. Three and three through the first six would be pretty daggone good considering that slate. It's not the league's toughest, but the biggest problem, honestly, is that John Elway has drafted really poorly lately. In addition to Paxton Lynch, who they waived on Sunday, the team waived four guys from the 2017 draft class on Saturday. And that has put them on the reverse fast track. Elway has not been able to find a quarterback in the draft. He just has not done a very good job, honestly, at drafting so far. And sometimes that can be something that happens to great players. In third, I think Gruden is the most overrated man in sports today. I have laid that out on this show. If you really go back and look, his status as an offensive guru is not backed up by the stats of his time in Tampa Bay. Even though he won the Super Bowl against his old team and did it with a roster Dungy took to the postseason the year before, he got them over the hump, but he didn't rebuild anything. His offenses were most often ranked in the 20s. 
His record is not that impressive. But, I mean, I still like Derek Carr. I think Amari Cooper was hindered by the play calling, as was that entire offense. Marshawn Lynch doesn't seem like he's totally done. They lose Khalil Mack, and that's tough. Not paying him, letting him leave, that hurts a lot. But they're better than Denver right now. They were 6-10 and 10 last year. I could see a game or two better this year. That's probably at best. But I think Gruden's going to prove to be what I think he is, which is overhyped and unable to fully deliver. He's going to wear out his welcome. He won't be there for 10 years. He's not going to be there for five years, I don't think, either. But they're going to be better than Denver. Now, one and two is tough because I like both these teams. One, you have never seen anything to make you buy in. And then the second one, one half of the ball really worries you. And that's why I've got KC at two. They're playing Patrick Mahomes, who I really like, especially in the pocket. But he's still got to learn how to play in this league on a regular basis week to week. That said, Kareem Hunt, definite stud. Tyreek Hill and that crop of receivers are beasts. Travis Kelsey is an all-pro. Sammy Watkins, that's wasted money. He's never proven anything except he can get hurt and disappoint you. It's the defense, though, that really worries me there. They're going to be involved in a lot of shootouts. This is not the Chiefs quality D from three years ago. They were spotty at best last year. Actually, I looked it up. They were the sixth worst yards per play group in the NFL. And they look to even be worse this year. They've been awful in the preseason. Yes, I know it's preseason, but they've looked inept. They're relying on unproven guys and some newcomers. You have to hope that Eric Berry's return is going to be big time and it's really going to help spur on their secondary growth. But they're going to struggle, and they're going to need to score 40 a lot to win games. And that's just not a recipe for success, even if you have a high-powered offense, which they do. So I've got the Chargers winning the division. It's maybe more of a hunch than anything else, but I think Rivers still has a few more good years left. I think they're going to continue to progress. Keenan Allen, when he's healthy, is an outstanding wide receiver. Melvin Gordon made great strides last year. They're going to get Forrest Lamp, their first-round pick off the offensive line, back this year. He wasn't able to play last year due to an ACL. Missed his entire rookie season. Travis Benjamin and Mike Williams, those guys can play. I don't know if Gates has anything left, but Virgil Green and Hunter Henry behind him. Joey Bosa on defense is quickly already on the short list of elite players on that side of the ball especially. Melvin Ingram, another talented guy. Good balance of youth and experience there. And then they grabbed Derwin James out of Florida State. Maybe one of the steals of the draft, considering he fell as far as he did. That dude may well be the next great safety in this league. I think they can get to 11-5. and 10-6 and six at worst. If they go 10-6, and six, maybe KC wins the division. It's a two-horse race here. It's a tough call, but I'm going to go with the Chargers and Phillip Rivers actually getting that division in the West. So from worst to first, Broncos, Raiders, Chiefs, Chargers. And that leads us to the AFC East. The first is very easy, but number four is Buffalo. They're starting Nate Peterman, folks, over Josh Allen. It's a quarterback's league, and that's what the Bills have going for him. LaShawn McCoy hasn't been able to fully focus on football during the offseason. That we know. Kelvin Benjamin is a really talented receiver, but he's also a really talented player that often disappoints. Defense is fine. Sometimes they're pretty good. Sean McDermott may not be there long-term. He's going to get another chance, though. Peterman, we're going to have to see. He had a good preseason, but who really cares? Allen throw it a mile. They've done a decent job, at least, of trying to refine his motions, fix his mechanics, but it's a rebuild in Buffalo, and it feels like a new everything. A lot of growing pains. 
nine and seven last year, eked into the playoffs, and then performed in one of the worst playoff games of all time with the Jags. I think six and ten might actually be in the offing this time around. They're not even going to be close to the postseason in twenty eighteen. Number three, Ryan Tannehill, and you know the Titans play Miami on Sunday in the opener. Tannehill is usually pretty darn good when he can play, but Adam Gase is another guy that says coordinator, not coach, when you think about him. Losing Jarvis Landry is a big deal. Maybe one of the top 10 wide receivers in the game. His stats are gaudy. They didn't want to pay him. They get Danny Amendola. That's a nice pickup. He will get them yards. He will move the chains for them. He will be a safety valve for Ryan Tannehill. I need to see more from Devontae Parker, but he definitely has the talent. We've seen it before. Do you really believe in Kenyon Drake as the primary ball handler in the backfield running back? I don't. I like Kenyon Drake, but he they're going to need more than Kenyon Drake, and I don't know that they have it. I don't love that defense, even though I like Kiko Alonso and Cameron Wake. Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama should make them better pretty quickly because he. I would be really surprised if he's a bust. But can Tannehill get through the season? We don't know. Backing him up, you got Bryce Petty, Brock Osweiler, and Luke Falk. Those are the other choices. You don't love that. So I've got him in third. Number two, I'll say this again. Sam Darnold, my favorite player in the draft. Jets do a nice job getting something for Teddy Bridgewater. Good move by the Saints, though. Very good move. Josh McCown's capable, but Darnold is a game changer for Todd Bowles. There's going to be some things you're not going to love about him, but I think there's going to be so much more that you do like about him. Robbie Anderson, let's put the police incident aside for a bit. He was often brilliant last year. Bilal Powell from the stats is, is almost as efficient as Le'Veon Bell from a yardage perspective. And for some reason, he also always ends up on my fantasy teams. And that's by carry, not overall yardage, by the way. He and Kroll can both play, though. Jermaine Curse is in his second year from Seattle. And he had over 800 yards himself last season in New York. That D has some names you like. They get Avery Williamson from right here in Nashville. Nine and seven to me for the Jets does not seem like a reach. It's not a particularly stacked division. So I don't see any reason why the Jets with Sam Darnold can't go eight and eight, nine and seven and still end up second. The Pats are going to win the division at 11 and five or 12 and four. They're not going to be as dominant as we've seen in the past, but this is wrench repeat. It's really just that simple. Even with less receiving talent, they're still the New England Patriots. Last I checked, they've still got Bill Belichick on the sidelines. Last I checked, they've still got Tom Brady under center. Last I checked, they've still got Rob Gronkowski at tight end. They're going to be fine. Dunzo, they're going to win that division. So from worst to first in the East, it's Bills, Dolphins, Jets, and New England winning that division. That is seven of the eight divisions covered here tonight on the Big Six. The eighth is the AFC South. I saved it, obviously, for reasons that make total sense here in the Music City. I'll break that down for you in the final segment. I'll let you know who's going to make the playoffs, all six teams in both conferences. I'll tell you who's going to be in the title games, and I'll give you my Super Bowl as well as the winner of the Super Bowl and a wild stat about the preseason you don't want to miss. All that's still to come. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. the final segment of the Big Six here tonight on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. Thank you for making me part of your evening. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 
Haven't been able to take phone calls. I've had so much to get to. It's one of those nights where you really need two hours, but you can tweet me at jmartzone, and some of you have. I've gone through seven of the eight divisions in the NFL. Vol calls is coming up next. And a lot of that probably going to center around this Brandon Kennedy situation. If you did not know, ACL non-contact. Jeremy Pruitt confirmed it earlier on today, just a couple of hours ago, or actually right before we went on the air, he confirmed it. The story broke on VolQuest a couple of hours ago. So it's going to thin out that offensive line even more. But you've got two weeks and two games against lesser opponents in UTEP and ETSU in reverse order there before you have to worry about Florida. So it gives you two weeks to kind of decide and figure out what makes the most sense. So that's a positive amidst a huge negative, and you have to feel, of course, for Brandon Kennedy, whose season ends, and he suffered a broken leg at Alabama last year during practice and missed the rest of that year also. So tough sledding over the last couple of years for that young man. I saved the AFC South for last, and that was for obvious reasons. It's going to take a year for Andrew Luck. Pep Hamilton being gone, that's a good thing and has been. Ryan Grigson being gone, that's been an even better thing in the front office. He did a positively awful job at assembling talent. He drafted all these skill receivers, but he never gave his Ferrari any protection. He didn't give him a garage. Andrew Luck was basically parked on the sidewalk without the doors locked. Nelson out of Notre Dame, that's a nice nice draft pick up front to help Luck. Six running backs on the roster. Robert Turbin and Marlon Mack are two of the bigger names. I don't know what you think of that. T.Y. Hilton's going to do his thing. A few other guys that you like as receivers, and then you add Eric Ebron, who likes to catch with his fists. If he caught with his hands, he'd be a lot better. Jack Doyle, who I have a special place in my heart from, seeing as how I covered him and watched him at Western Kentucky. It's a defense you don't love. Luck is great. There's just not enough around him right now. That's a 7-9 and nine team. I think that might be a best, actually. Anything they do is going to be because of luck. Number three, here we go. Marcus Mariota is an average quarterback. Coming off a bad year where he threw 13 touchdowns and 15 picks. They are going to be better on offense this year under the LaFleur scheme. Deion Lewis is going to help them out mightily, both as a speedster and a receiver out of the backfield. Corey Davis could be special. Delaney and John are both going to do their thing. Rashard's going to make some plays. I think Taewon's going to make many more than he did last year. On defense, Kevin Byard might not be quite as dominant as a season ago, at least in terms of interceptions, but that's because his numbers were absurd last year. You like what's up front maybe a little better. Injuries might lead to some slow starts in these games. I just think Tennessee's a team that's going to score 20 a lot. Maybe 23. And 20 and 23, that's just, that's eight games. I've got them at eight and eight. They could be a better team. They really could. Like a few others in this league, and they might have a worse record. Mariota probably throws, I'm going to say he throws 21 touchdowns this year and 12 interceptions. That's still just not going to be good enough to do more than 500 or maybe one game better. So I've got them in third. Number two, and you don't love it because it's Blake Bortles at quarterback, but I've got Jacksonville. The defense might not duplicate what they did a year ago either. Fournette is a guy you have to worry about with a nagging injury. Receivers, you know, Marquise Lee's out for the year, and that's going to hurt him. 
I generally just like Doug Marone's attitude and the moxie of that team. They feel like the old Seattle Seahawks, but they don't have Russell Wilson's poise at quarterback. Bortles was not awful last year, but the difference between Jacksonville and Seattle is Russell Wilson, and that's a big difference. But I think Bortles is good enough with what's around him to maybe win 10, but assuredly win 9. This could flip. Tennessee could easily finish second and Jacksonville third. But I feel like Jacksonville's defense is going to find a way to win them a couple of games they wouldn't win otherwise. So I've got them in second, which leaves the Houston Texans in first. I just adore Deshaun Watson. I'd rather watch that guy play than just about anybody else in the NFL. I loved him in college. I said and thought he should have been the number one pick. You have to hate that he was injured so badly at Clemson that he tore his ACL last year. But during the preseason, if you read any of the reports coming out of camp, if you read even you know, some of the things that John McClain has said, everybody has been blown away with how much better he is now than he was last year. I don't believe that that style is gimmicky. I believe it's long. I think it's something that has longevity. One thing he is going to do, though, is he's going to turn it over a little more than you'd like. And that's because he believes that his wide receivers can and should make every catch. He used to routinely throw impossible balls to Clemson receivers and expect those guys to go up and make those plays. And often they rose to the occasion. Hopkins is so good. And with Watson sending it his way, that's a combination that is lethal. Will Fuller, an underrated player. Some of the other guys that will be catching passes for them should also be good. If they can fight the injury plague on both sides, if Deshaun can stay upright, if J.J. Watt can stay healthy, if Whitney Merciless and Jadevian Clowney, if those guys can stay on the field, and yes, that definitely scares you, they should be an 11-win team. I'm not a huge O'Brien fan, but I believe Deshaun Watson is the truth. So that's why I've got it. Colts fourth, Titans third, Jaguars second, that could flip, and Texans finishing in first. So, in our final two minutes, the six playoff teams in the NFC, Vikings and Saints are your wild cards. Falcons, Packers, Rams, Cowboys win their respective divisions. AFC, Jaguars and Chiefs I have as your wild cards. Patriots, Steelers, Texans, Chargers are your four division wins. Your NFC title game, I've got Atlanta versus Dallas. And I've got the Falcons winning that football game and going to their second Super Bowl in three years. In the AFC, I got chalk, man. I got Pat Steelers, and I've got the Steelers winning. So my Super Bowl is the Atlanta Falcons and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And my Super Bowl champions could be a reach. I've got Atlanta getting it done. I've got the Atlanta Falcons winning this year's Super Bowl. We've got about a minute left, and I just picked the Atlanta Falcons. This could be the dumbest moment in the history of this show. Or it could be right. I just really believe that offense is going to be unbelievable with Calvin Ridley. And that's going to be quite a good Super Bowl as well. All right, let's make you smarter here in this last minute. If you want to know something crazy about preseason, Nathan Peterman, the first quarterback to complete over 80% of his passes, with over 10 yards per attempt in the preseason since Dante Culpepper did it in 2005. You know what Dante Culpepper did in the first two weeks of that season? Zero touchdowns and eight interceptions. 
The NFL is back. Regular season matters. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. Saying goodnight. Ball calls next.